Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, welcome back. This is going to be for Matthew chapter 9. And uh, in this one, uh, Jesus forgives sins, heals a paralytic, and calls Matthew. He eats with sinners. A woman is healed by touching his garments, and he raises Jairus' daughter to life. He opens blind eyes, casts out a devil, and preaches the gospel. So this is also similar to Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 5, and we'll look at that and I'll show you the, the verses that coincide here uh, because some of the chapters in the other gospels are a little bit more detailed, so we'll cover those. So Matthew 9 verse 1 says, And Jesus entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. In Mark 2 verse 1 it says, Again he entered into Capernaum after many days, and it was noised noise that he was in the house. This was Jesus' own city where his mother and half-brothers and sisters lived. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by who were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Back to Mark 2, verse 2, it says, And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive the multitude, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. He's in the home probably of Peter. There are so many people that want to hear him and be healed of him that no one else can get in. Four men come carrying a paralytic man to be healed. Back to Matthew, chapter 9, verse 2, and says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Elder Talmadge says, In this man's condition there was plainly a close connection between his past sins and his present affliction. However, Christ recognized his repentance together with the faith that accompanied it. Verse 4 of, um, of Mark says, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed there wherein the sick of the palsy lay. The four men ascend to the roof, probably by the usual outside stairs found on nearly every house. On the roof they do what is neither difficult nor uncommon. They make an opening in the thatch-type roof, and through it they lower the suffering man into the presence of Jesus. They were creative in solving a difficult problem. Sometimes we have to, be, to seek inspiration to solve difficult problems. Like the brother of Jared's experience, he produced the work of preparing the stones and then asked the Lord to touch them to make them light. Back to Matthew, I'm uh, still in verse 2. And Jesus, seeing or knowing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins are, be forgiven thee. Go thy way and sin no more. Rightly understood, this event in the life of our Lord was visible and irrefutable proof that he was the Messiah, and it was so recognized by those among whom he ministered. Which is better, to be forgiven or to be healed? If Jesus should first forgive the man's sins, since none but God can forgive sins, such an act would be announcement that he was God. Then, if he commanded the sick person to rise up and walk, it would be proof that his claim to divinity was true. The teaching situation is ideally prepared, and the master teacher knows the course to pursue. 
Lord, the Lord forgives sins, but he does it in harmony with the laws he ordained before the world was. By properly repenting and by partaking worthily of the sacraments so that the Spirit of the Lord will come again into the lives of the penitent persons, members of the kingdom gain forgiveness of sins. We are not told whether the paralytic here forgiven by Jesus was a member of the church or not. The overwhelming probability is that he was and that Jesus was now forgiving his sins anew, as he did many times to Joseph Smith and the early elders of his latter-day kingdom. Where members of the church are concerned, there is a very close connection between manifestations of healing grace and the forgiveness of sins. The very fact that a member of the kingdom has matured in the gospel to the point that he was has power through faith in Christ to be healed means that he also has so lived that he is entitled to have his sins remitted. And James chapter 5, verse 15 says, And the prayer of faith shall, ha- shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. So back to Matthew, and uh, verse 3, and, cer- and behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. In Mark, it, it adds, Who can forgive sins but God only? Back to Matthew, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore is it that ye think evil in your hearts? For is it not easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, than to say, Arise and walk? Jesus did what, what no impostor could have done. He proved his divine power by healing the forgiven man. But I said this, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power or authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus said unto the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into, thine, into thy house. And he immediately arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power unto men. The proof of Messiahship could not be controverted. He who claimed to forgive sins, which all agreed none but God could do, had proved his divine power by turning the living death of palsy into the joyous life of physical health and spiritual cleanness. Following this display of power, the polarization of the people increased. And then back to Matthew, or back to the Mark version, it says, And Jesus went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. Verse 9 of Matthew, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the place where they received tribute, as was customary in those days. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Capernaum was an important fishing village. At, at this time, fishing was not a free enterprise. All fishing industry was controlled by the ruling elites who sold fishing rights to brokers, translated tax collectors, or publicans, who in turn contracted with fishers. The fishers received capitalization along with fishing rights and were therefore indebted to the brokers. The location of Matthew or Levi's toll office in Capernaum, an important fishing locale, probably identifies him as just such a contractor of royal fishing rights. And that was by Casey Hansen and Doug Oakman. Uh, Back to Matthew, uh, verse 10, it says, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and and with his disciples. Publicans were despised. Many used extortion to collect their taxes for Rome. It was especially bad if it was a Jew that was a publican. It is assumed that Matthew gave up much wealth. His association with the master must have been considerable before his call. Matthew was prepared and foreordained to be one of the twelve. This feast may have been a farewell feast. Back to Matthew, verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw them, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth their master with publicans and sinners? 
Notice that they ask uh, the disciples and not Jesus directly. Verse 12, But when Jesus heard them, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. The questions are put to the disciples, but the answers come from him who sets the tone of these festivities, which we must believe he found enjoyable. Verse 13, But go ye and learn what this meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Now what's the irony of that statement? I have called. I, I do not come to call righteous but sinners to repentance, is that everybody's a sinner. Now the, the Pharisees and those that were the ruling elite of Israel, because they were of the house of or of the of Abraham believed that they were automatically going to be in the kingdom, but they and they thought that they were righteous, and so he's not calling them but those that are humble to repentance. Verse 14 of Matthew, And while he was thus teaching, there came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? Now in Matthew, the disciples of John are the ones who ask the question about fasting. In um, in the Mark version, it's the it looks like it's the Pharisees that are asking the question. Back to Matthew, verse 15, And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. Verse 16, Then said the Pharisees unto him, Why will ye not receive us with our baptism, seeing we keep the whole law? But Jesus said unto them, Ye keep not the law. If ye had kept the law, ye would have received me, for I am he who gave the law. I receive not with you your baptism, because it profiteth nothing. For when that which is new is come, the old is ready to be put away. For no man putteth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put a new put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish, but they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Jesus came to restore, not to reform. His mission was to fulfill the old order and commence the new. He came to tramp out the dying embers of mosaic performances and ignite the, the living flames of the gospel fire in the hearts of men. He was telling John's disciples to complete their conversion by following him. That was by Elder McConkie. Back to Matthew 9, says uh, in verse 18, While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dying, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. In Mark it says, And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. Come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Back to Matthew, And Jesus arose and followed him, and also his disciples, and much people thronged him. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue or hemorrhage of blood twelve years, and had suffered, and this is in back, uh, I'm sorry, let me finish the verse, verse 20, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. But in Mark it says, uh, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but grew rather, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. In Luke it says, And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, who had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could, heal, neither could be healed of any, came behind Jesus and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched or ceased. Religious Jews today wear a garment of wool called a talith. 
The name seems to be derived from the Hebrew word for lamb, talai. The hema or the strings of the talith are customarily touched during Jew- Jewish religious services. The four sets of strings are knotted so that the sum knots and strings equal 613, the number of laws and covenants, including the Ten Commandments, given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Modern Jews touch the strings and knots of the talith garment to remind them and commit themselves to keeping the laws and thereby being blessed of God. The woman who touched the garment of Jesus, probably the talith, was healed. That's by Daniel Rona. So he's, she's probably touching these little strings that are hanging down from, the, from the, uh, his uh, prayer shawl, which he is wearing, which all Jews then wore. Um, and so he, there's no way that he could have felt that because he, he, she, she would have touched the, just the strings hanging down. Back to Matthew 20, verse 21, For she said, she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I will be whole, or free from this disease. So she has faith. In Mark it says, And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turning him about in the press, and said, Who touched my clothes? Elder McConkie said, Giving blessings and performing priesthood ordinances is often the most physically taxing labor which the Lord's true ministers ever perform. There is nothing perfunctory or casual about the performance of these holy ordinances. Great physical exertion and intense mental concentration are part of the struggle to get that spirit of revelation so essential in an inspired blessing or other performance. Joseph Smith said in 1843, Elder Jedediah M. Grant inquired of me the cause of my turning pale and losing strength last night while blessing children. I told him that I saw Lucifer would exert his influence to destroy the children that I was blessing, and I strove with with all the faith and spirit that I had to seal up upon them a blessing that would secure their lives upon the earth. And so much virtue went out of me into the children that I became weak, from which I have not yet recovered. And I referred to the case of the woman touching the hem of the garment of Jesus. The virtue referred to is the spirit of life, and a man who exercises great faith in administering to the sick, blessing little children, or confirming, is liable to become weakened. So that's what's happening to Jesus here as he's bestowing a blessing that virtue and priesthood power is coming out of him into the woman. Uh, into In the Mark version, it says in verse 31, And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? And then back to uh, Matthew, it says, But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, so in, in Matthew or in Mark it says, And he looked about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And back to Matthew, it says, uh, in continuing verse 22, And he said, Daughter, be of good cheer, comfort, uh, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. In Mark, it says, uh, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a man who said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as he spake, Jesus heard the word that was spoken and said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. In other words, fear and doubt cannot be in a person when faith is present and vice versa. And Joseph Smith said that. Verse 37, back in Mark, he says, And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Back to Matthew, uh, verse 23, And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, 
uh, in Mark it says, And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and, when, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make this, why make this ye, ad, why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And then, in, uh, continuing in Mark in verse forty, it says, And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi which is by being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Now Daniel Rona says that this word talithi, talitha kumi, this may have been Jesus' way of saying my little lamb or curly locks. Kumi means get up. So talitha, which might mean my little lamb or curly locks. And then in Mark verse 42, it says, And straightway the damsel arose and, and walked, for she was 12 years old, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Uh, and then back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 26, And the fame of Jesus went abroad in all the land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and straightly they, he charged them, or warned them sternly, saying, Keep my commandments, and see ye tell no man in this place, that no man know it. But they, went, but they when they departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. Verse 32, And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man, possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb man spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out the devils through the prince of the devils. And when Jesus, and Jesus went about the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, and preaching the gospel in the of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, or they were, uh, the or they were harassed, and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.